page 1135, uh, Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Beginning to read at verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. slight technical hitch. I think it'll just about stay on there. I haven't damaged myself. Uh, All will be revealed with that. Uh, Just love that touch on that and thank you worship team uh, and for you for looking like you enjoy what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just a prayer and then let's get into the scriptures shall we let's let's pray together we come to you not because we must but because we may not because we are strong but because we are weak not because any goodness of our own has given us the right, but because we need mercy and help. We come because we love you a little and we want to love you more. We come because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. Amen. So, um, okay, I think I have to call out uh, uh, whoever's changing. Anyway, let's have the first one. There we go. Oh, it's all uh, tricky stuff. Okay. (laughs) So, We've been hearing um, about the book of Revelation uh, for uh, a book of Romans, sorry. That's another series I'm teaching. Um, Romans um, for a a few weeks. Last week or or the week before, I I, no, last week I was thinking, why does he get 21 verses and I only get five? Yeah? Um, And then I thought, whoa, this is... The book of Romans. Change slide. 
And this gentleman, by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who used to be the minister at Westminster Chapel in London, he was one of the most eminent Bible expositors in this country. That's all. And he took 12 years to preach his way through this book, mostly a verse at a time. So then I thought, Tim drew the short straw, I've drawn the better straw, because I've only got five verses. Now, the problem, it's not a problem, it's, it's an honor with this book. Next slide. It's, it's, a, it's a Mount Everest of Christian theology. Um, I personally, can I give you one of my little um, heresies? I think there are seven Gospels, not four. We know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Romans is a telling of the gospel. Galatians is a telling of the gospel. There's six. The seventh, a very divine number. The seventh, <laughs> the seventh, all you need is a good number and your, your heresy will get through. It's fine. The, the seventh is the book of Revelation, which is a telling of the gospel. Um, but if you want to hear more about that, come to London on Wednesday night, and I'm in the middle of a series in Lewisham. So anyway, so it's an Everest, the book of Romans, of Christian theology. Next slide. But it's also um, can be quite confusing, um, like a tourist in the London underground. And often we feel, if you can imagine that, I asked Auntie Google, and she couldn't produce it for me, um, I wanted the names of the stations without the lines. And then I wanted one of the lines without the names of the stations. Are you familiar with that? Yeah? And I couldn't find it. And often we can see Morden down the bottom where Julia used to work uh, and go to church. And then if you follow that line all the way up to the north, you'll get a, a northern station. Morden's on the south, by the way, as far as you can go. And often we're left saying, oh, wasn't that good what we had last week or the week before or the week before? Uh, but ooh, after this week, where? how does that connect with there? How do I get from A to B? How does it all hold together? Do you ever ask? That question, maybe you're not like me, but I want to know, like a car engine, how does this work? So this week we're going to try and link some of them up so that you can say, whoa, that's what Stephanie was telling us, and whoa, that's what we had there, all right? And this is how it's fitting together. So a little bit of that today because I've only got five verses. <laughs> Next one. Okay, why the letter was written, and you're going to feel this is an incredibly unspiritual reason. Can you believe, that shocked some of you, I can see your faces. There was institutional racism in the church at Rome. And I hope to show you why. So here's a little parable prepared um, in case you're wondering, it's not true. 
<laughs> it's real. Do you see the difference? <laughs> it's not true, it's real. Okay, it's a parable. Here we go. One Saturday afternoon, the Carpathia Street Church, known locally as CSC, were in the middle of their newly formed afternoon meeting. The 3.30 to 5 o'clock slot helped those who worked shifts as house servants in Roman households. The gathering was running a bit late, but they still tried to include uh, their popular open sharing time. But there were too many people this week who wanted to share and not enough time to do it before they had to stop. The leader of the meeting, an Israeli Jewish immigrant, put all the Jewish members to the front of the queue. Hello. <laughs> Which meant three Italians could not share because they had to leave to go back to work. Is this practical enough for you? After the meeting, several Italian members complained to the elders who were all Jewish members of the congregation. In an Italian church. The elders seemed to close ranks and said to these people, you must remember that Jesus was Jewish. He was born and lived in our country. Also, some of our relatives actually heard him preach. A number of times I've heard people, well, I actually heard John Stott speak, you know. So, you see, it's like this. Jews are, well, kind of first-class Christians. And Gentiles are, well, let's just say standard class. Non-Jews, standard class. The Italian believers were so upset by this that they wrote to the apostle, sorry, they emailed the apostle Paul. <laughs> Told you it was <laughs> true, not real. No, real, not true. They wrote to the Apostle Paul explaining that their church seemed to be suffering from a favoritism thing, and would he help? This is why he wrote the letter. Now, let's... Uh, no, no, don't change it. <laughs> Just a moment. Let's uh, look at some evidence of this, and I'm going to... If you've got your Bible, um, if you'd like to start pinging around the chapters... Chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says, I am obligated to both Jews and Gentiles, which is why I'm eager to preach the gospel to all of you who are at Rome. So he's aiming to get there, and already he's speaking political language that they should pick up. I'm obligated to both Jews and Gentiles. When you, we get to the end of the, this list, you're going to say, of course, he never shuts up about to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. It's all the way through the book. Steady, we might be getting biblical here. 
Chapter 2, number 9, verse 9. There will be glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, there it is. Then for the Gentile. Here we go, drum roll. For God does not show favoritism. Yes? This is becoming very pertinent in some British churches as migrant people are coming in. Fifteen. Even Gentiles can show the requirements of the law when it's written on their hearts. More of that later. Don't you love that? That concept. The law has to be written on your heart, not on your phylactery. Verse 29, a Jew is not just one inwardly, uh, sorry, outwardly circumcision, because circumcision must also be of the heart by the Spirit of God and not just by the written code of the law. You get it? This is all dealing with our Jews superior Christians, first-class Christians, and our non-Jews standard class. Paul is saying, no way. Chapter 3, verse 21, the righteousness, sorry, give you time. Chapter 3, if you'd like to turn to it, okay? Leave me sound, sounding like Uncle John Stop now. The hurly-burly of the city. Mm. Okay, chapter 3. The righteousness of God, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been made known separate to the law. This is given through Jesus, uh, sorry, this is given through faith in Jesus Christ to anyone, Jew or Gentile, who believes, with no difference between Jew and Gentile. Because everyone has sinned and fallen short of, of God's glory. And all are equally justified by God's grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. Verse 29. So is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he also the God of Gentiles? Of course he is. And then verse 31. Then does this mean that faith nullifies the law? Not at all. Rather, it upholds the law. Okay, you with that so far? Everyone's included. That's why he's written this letter. Now, next slide. So, what's he trying to do in the letter? He's trying to help Jewish and Gentile believers at Rome to define the gospel. That's why the book of Romans is another telling of the gospel. It is another gospel according to Paul's gospel. This is Paul's gospel. This is the apostolic teaching. And in, uh, um, in ascending this Everest, there are four base camps. Next slide. Four base camps. You've heard of base camp, haven't you? I discovered it's a program on the computer as well. Anybody from work? Anybody know base camp? No? Oh, well. Four base camps to get us to the summit of this 
theological colossus. Next slide. Number one is our sin. God comes in and brings his law to keep us going, a temporary interim measure. We'll see that in a minute. And then he gets to the full solution by grace. And how is this going to crack the problem? Our faith in his, his new arrangement. Okay? You get it? Our sin, the problem, God's provision in the middle, and our faith cementing the solution like a sandwich. That is basically the outline, or you'll find that outline through this letter. Next slide. So, let's look at them one at a time. First of all, our sin, the problem, is human nature. I don't know how often you have conversations with people about the awful things that are on the news these days and the awful things that people do. Man's inhumanity to man, yeah? Or corruption, or the banking scandal, or this or that, or how ISIS can send a, a young, mixed-up Libyan uh, second-generation lad to the Manchester arena with, with a bomb. Um, and you think, what on earth is going on in this world? And um, the, I agree with uh, J. John, who says the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. So human nature is our problem. And, and in uh, chapter 3, verse 23, the apostle says, all have sinned, whether Jew or non-Jew. Point number one. So, let's next slide. This is where the stick comes in. God's law is the provision of a leg splint because we showed ourselves incapable of walking with God. And so he provides like a leg splint to help us walk so that we can follow him. Yeah? It's not perfect, it's interim. Uh, and in uh, chapter 5, verse 13, if you're taking notes, the apostle says, the law is like a schoolmaster to guide us to Christ. The law had an interim use to at least get us walking in the right way at least get us covering the sort of ground uh, that God wants to walk with us. Okay, I think you are clear with that. Okay, next one then, we get to God's grace. So is he going to leave us walking around with a stickle for the rest of eternity? Is that how he's going to leave us? No. So he finishes the job. The law is like a scaffolding, which is the same thing as a leg split. It's a bit of scaffold to help you stand up straight and walk. Yeah? Scaffolding helps a building to go up uh, straight. Yeah. So he then brings us, next one, next slide, to grace. The, the, the final solution, the permanent solution, helping us discard the splint and to walk unaided except by the help of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> got to break down somewhere. 
this, this picture. So this, to me, is one of the most stunning verses in, in Romans, chapter 8, 3. What the law could not do, what was the weak point? Human nature. What he couldn't do through the law, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to become a sin offering. God, by grace, dealt with the problem of our human nature. Now, next slide. Our response is to believe. This is what you call not preaching the gospel, but teaching the gospel. That's what he's doing. And our faith means a lifestyle walking unaided, yet fulfilling the law of God. Remember, there is a verse in Micah and all through um, Old Testament scripture, the just shall live by their faith. And what he's done, he's made, he's turned us into big boys and girls. And we hopefully will get to a verse that says, we now by nature do the things contained in the law. Do you understand? You see what, are you getting the impact of this? So without the stick and the rules and regulations of what we should, how we should live, we can cast the stick away and we behave in the way the law says and it's come naturally. Why? Because it's come out of us. Because we've had a change of heart. And I tell you what, when I talk to Muslims about this, you want to see their faith. Because when they get to know you, they'll say, Steve, you're doing the stuff that our law, our, our religion says we should be doing. And what ticks me off? You're enjoying it. God turns us into big boys and girls who live by the Spirit, are led by the Spirit, whose minds are being transformed by the Spirit, whose heart and attitude is being transformed by His Spirit. Big boys and girls, spiritually, not little legalistic cripples. Don't know what to do unless you tell me. Now, it's one of the big theologians that said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do as you like, because what you like will be what he loves. Does that make sense? It's a dangerous one, that. <laughs> so, you see here, chapter 5, 1 and 2, through Jesus we gain access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And Paul is saying, you know, back off you elders, it, it's the same for the Gentile Italian members as you. You are not superior. You are all one in Christ. You get the 
dynamic of this conversation that he's having with this church and why he's saying these things. Okay, now, this creates a problem for him, which is why he wrote the five verses I've been given this morning. <laughs> so, next slide. Paul was criticized that he was betraying his Jewish roots. Now, you, you, you could, you, we shouldn't be surprised at that. <laughs> Um, and he got it in the neck big time from all sorts of people. And so this is why, next slide, this is why he's talking as he is, to show his credentials. When he says, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience is clear through the Holy Spirit. What he's driving at, it's the sub-message to say the gospel isn't a betrayal of the Jewish heritage, it is its completion. Do you get it? Doesn't mean you're less of a Jew, it just means that you get rid of your walking stick and clinging to the law of Moses, and by faith in Christ and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, you start to behave more like a Jew. A real Jew, says Paul. And he'll, we'll find out more about that in just a sec. And then he goes on in verse 2, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now, he's speaking emotional language here to say, guys, I'm kosher. Uh, pun intended. I'm kosher. I am emotionally exercised. I haven't abandoned my people. Verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ. Who, who, do you, who can you hear saying something similar? Come on, Bible students. Moses. When the Hebrews were going wappy, and God says, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy the lot of them. And he says, whoa, 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 Lord, take, scratch my name out of your book. But please stick faithfully with them. Remember that? Old Testament. And Paul's echoing now. He's, you know, he's doing exactly the same um, attitude as Moses. I could wish that I were a curse and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. And then verse 4, they are the source, uh, sorry, they, uh, what have we got here? They are the source of Gentile adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, all the rich heritage of a quaking Sinai, a parting Red Sea, the pillar of cloud over the tabernacle, and so on. The covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the prophetic promises for that nation. Theirs are the patriarchs. 
And from them is traced the human ancestry of Messiah. So he's saying, yes, you're right, you're right, but it doesn't make you first class. <laughs> yes, Jesus is a Jew, but that's not the point, and we're going to get to that in a sec. Um, it is not as though God's word had failed. For not all descendants of Israel are Israel. As Prince Harry would say, boom, <laughs> fist bomb. Not all descendants of Israel are Israel. Paul, what on earth are you talking about? The gospel doesn't make the law of Moses redundant. Rather, it's God's way of enabling us to fulfill the law because our hearts have been changed. Okay? You, you, you're getting the, the drift of what, where he's going and what he's saying. God called a man, Abraham, to create a people, the Jews. He created a people, the Jews, to give birth to Messiah, Jesus. He gave birth to Messiah, Jesus, to bless the world. He said to Abraham, through you, all nations on earth will be blessed. That is the scope of salvation history. And then he says here, we find that believing Gentiles who don't have the law naturally do the things contained in the law. That's the verse I was looking for. Chapter 2, verse 14. Isn't it lovely? For me, it's like... Um, People who follow Jesus have got a reason to live that is outside themselves. It's no longer me, 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 me. <laughs> and that's why the National Health Service give us the statistic that churchgoers use the NHS the least out of the population of this country. Ah. Doesn't mean they don't use it. They don't use it as much. Because we have a purpose in life, we are no longer living for ourselves. This is the end of the tube line for Paul. Romans 10.4, the cross of Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes the gospel. The cross gives us a choice not to cooperate with the sin principle in us. Brothers and sisters, we now have a choice. The cross strikes the balance between law and grace because we're supposed to be keeping the law, but not out of legalism, but out of grace from an internal motivation. 
The gospel costs Jesus everything in order for it to cost us nothing. And that doesn't make it cheap, as somebody said at Keswick this year. That doesn't make it cheap, it makes it free. And there's a difference. Next slide. So the bottom line of the letter. There is no place for racism. Jews and Gentiles are all one in Christ. No superior ones. Some Christians have said to me, oh, I, I, I just feel that I've got some Jewish blood somewhere. It's almost as bad as those going to kiss the Wittenberg door over this period of celebrating the, the, the Reformation. Excuse me, the Reformation happened so that you wouldn't be behaving like idolatrous Do you know what I'm saying? And we lived in Lincolnshire, and there's a chapel in the middle of nowhere with um, the pulpit or the Bible that Wesley used to preach. They've got, it, they've got it in a shrine in the entrance to the church. God help us. I'm not joking. So, there is no room for these things. We are all one. Next slide. Now, quickly, um, and, and we'll stop. I, there's, there's a danger I'm going to get through this in the next five minutes. It's, this is amazing. Are you enjoying this or do, do you want? If you're bored, just pass out. Okay, okay. It's a deal. So, Romans 9 6. Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. We've heard that. Nor because they are. Abraham's descendants, are they Abraham's children? On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. We'll get back to that in a sec. It isn't the children by physical descent anymore who are God's children, but the children of the promise who are Abraham's children. Okay? Now, I told you there are seven Gospels, and two of them, one is Romans, the other is, is Galatians. So next slide, let's look at the same thing unpacked by the same man, Paul, in his other Gospel to the Galatians. Galatians 4.21. Do you remember he's just said about um, Abraham and Isaac, yeah, in the previous one? Um, anyway, yeah. You've got your Bible open. So, this is what he means. Abraham had two sons. Ishmael was born by the slave woman Hagar. And Isaac was born by the free woman Sarah. Now, Ishmael was born through the flesh. Okay? Normally, naturally. Human effort, if you will. But Isaac was born as a result of a divine promise. You get that? His mum was past it and she just conceived. So he was, Isaac came by grace. The favor of God. No work in, involved. It just happened. 
24, this is figurative, says Paul, because the women represent two covenants. One, the law of Moses from Sinai, whose children are slaves. He's talking about the Jews. And legalistic evangelicals. And as in legalism, like the, uh, sorry, and are in legalism, I think, like the present day city of Jerusalem. So he's really tying this to the mothership of Judaism. 26. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother. And some churches that have free in their name are anything but. So they need to get their act together as well on that and get the real freedom that is in Christ. And hopefully everyone who calls himself that is that. That's what we need to aim. We need to be careful what we call our churches. Some, some of the grand claims for some of our churches. She is our mother. So like Isaac, you are also children of promise. Not human effort but by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is outside our control. Thereby hangs the tale. Okay, so next. We're nearly there. So the, the challenge for us is to behave like sons and daughters of Abraham through Isaac, not like sons and daughters of Abraham through Ishmael. This is what Paul is saying in a, in a nutshell to help the elders at Rome. The primary or original citizenship in God's plan of salvation is Jewish, and its DNA is rooted in Abraham. No problem. However, the prime citizenship in God's economy is pan-racial. with a new DNA that's rooted in Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus transfers his DNA by a thing called the new birth. As we believe in Jesus, he gets to work in our very character and heart and mind. By the transforming of your mind, uh, Romans 12, 1. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let Jesus' DNA soak in you. And it happens in worship, which is why I like worship. You shouldn't have prayer meetings without worship. Heart and prayer, revelation. No, you're not in Lewisham today, Steve. Next one. Next slide, thanks. So, says Paul, in the past, being born as a Jew meant automatic inclusion in the people of God, which God had predestined to exist since time began. But now, through Jesus, being born again is the only way to be included in the people of God which God predestined to exist since before time began. Now, 
Going forward, says Paul, everyone must opt in by faith in Christ in order to be included in God's predestined people. Now, can I just say one last thing and then stop? I lived in the Middle East for 10 years. I speak Arabic, which is a language similar to the, the uh, language of the Bible, Hebrew. And I realize that we Westerners have a problem. If I say you, so if I say to Ian, inta, which means you, and then I say to Heather, inti, which is female, just as well, which means you. But then, if I want to address Ian and Heather at the same time, I say, entu, you. Plural, you. You lot. Read Romans again with that simple point in mind. When he says, we, he means, we. If he says you, he means you lot. It's in the Greek, and it's in many non-Western languages. But we Westerners, it's, oh, me. No, not you, you. No, but that's me, isn't it? Me and my quiet time, me and my walk with God, me, 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 me. Western evangelicalism is very me-centered. I say that having lived the serious part of my life among the world church, who read this book in an entirely different way, a corporate way, because they are more corporate societies. Northern Europe and the West are individualistic societies, and so we read the Bible in an individualistic way. Let's not beat ourselves up about it, but let's get the richness of what this book's actually saying. If you're not part of the people of God tonight, this morning, wherever we are, here in Lewisham, <laughs> believe on Jesus. Trust your eternity to Jesus. Opt in to join the people of God. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's stop. It isn't just the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of promise. These are Abraham's offspring. There is now no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, Male nor female, black nor white, east nor westerner, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's children and heirs according to the promise of grace. God bless you. Be blessed today and enjoy believing and belonging in the people of God. Amen.
Thank you, Steve. I must admit, when I looked at the five verses you got, I thought you'd drawn the short straw. But I think you've managed to join it all up really well for us so that we can see where it all fits together. So thank you for that.